Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Breakfast today is sponsored in loving memory and Lilu Nishmat, Chana Bat Yichiel Michel Halevi, sponsored by her son uh, Marvin Jacob. Alava Shalom. Thank you, Mr. Baruch for Chaim Chana Bat Yichiel Michel Halevi. Aleha Shalom, sponsored by her son Jibadel Chaim Tui Marukim, Marvin Jacob. Hazaku Baruch. The Pasuk tells us, Ve'ha'am lo nasa adhe asef Miriam. And the people did not travel until Miriam was ready to be gathered up and taken along with them. So you have an entire nation of people, maybe three million people. How do we get the number? The Torah tells us 600,000 are just the men between the ages of 20 and 60. What that means is that there's probably an equivalent amount of women of that same age range brings you to 1.2. You're talking about now all of the children, boys and girls, beneath the age of, six, of 20. And all the elderly people that were above the age of 60 that were men and women. So the estimation that they give is roughly 3 million people. Could you imagine 3 million people waiting for one person? I know sometimes when we're going out to the car and one of the kids forgets something, the ruckus it causes where we have to, where the family needs to wait for the one kid to go back upstairs to get the thing from the room. We're not all gonna have to wait for you. It's ridiculous. We're seven people. You're one person. You catch up later. Miriam, three million people. And it's not for five minutes. It's not for a day. It's for a week. Rashi says, Zeakavod, this honor, Halakla Makom, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave her because of one hour. The word sha'a, by the way, literally in, in Torah language, it doesn't mean an hour. It means a period of time. Like the Pasuk, like the Gemara says, There's a, those people that acquire their, work, their whole world to come in one hour. He doesn't mean in 60 minutes. You give us 60 minutes, 22 minutes, we'll give you the world. None of that. What it means is in that, in that space, what it's talking about is a person who makes a decision, they talked about the case of a certain uh, Roman uh, uh, executioner who during the time of the Hasarah Malchut, the rabbi is being burnt alive in the most painful way. They've wrapped him up in, uh, in uh, sponge of, uh, soaked in water so he should survive the fire they're burning him in. He sees the rabbi suffering and he says to him, if I take off the sponges so that you'll die quicker, do you promise me a portion in the world to come with you? And he says, yes. He takes the wet sponges off and jumps in the fire with him. Could you believe this? Baha Rabbi Ve'amah, Rabbi cried and he said, There's a person who acquires his whole world in one, in one. I want to point out something. He didn't take off the thing, the, 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 the sponges of wool, you know, turn them into a lasso, to put it on the mountain, grab the rabbi and Batman out of there. He didn't save the guy's life. He didn't save the Jewish people. He didn't uh, do some sort of a MacGyver trick. He took a, you know, a paper clip and turned the fire into cold fire, like none of that. The, the rabbi wasn't saved. The rabbi died and probably, if you read the Gemara, you'll see, he died even faster because he added more wood to the fire so they wouldn't be able to get to them 
and take them out of the fire before, they, before he passed away, so they couldn't torture him more. What did the guy do? He saved a person who was going to die in one minute from 30 more seconds of suffering within that one minute, and then he died. How small is what he did? How short did it take him to do what he did? If it would have taken him literally sha'a'ahat, don't you think the Romans could have fished him out and punished him and punished both of them? Sha'a'ahat means one second. Says Rashi again, this honor that God gave Miriam, that they waited for her for one week. It was for one second, one moment. That she waited for Moshe. When he was thrown into the river. And his sister stood off in the distance to see what was going to be with her brother. That brief moment of chesed, HaKadosh Baruch Hu now paid her back in such a huge way. Rav Shimshon Pinkus points out something which is magnificent. He says, you know, a lot of times there are things in Judaism that we don't do. And it's not because we can't do them, because they're so big. Rather, exactly the opposite. It's because we can't be bothered to do them, because we think that they're so small, and they're so unimportant. But actually, in HaKadosh Baruch Hu's eyes, in the same way that a God who does not have time, nothing is long and nothing is short, so one second waiting by the river can be extrapolated to an entire week for the whole nation to wait. For God, it's the same thing. Time is irrelevant. So, so too, when a person does a tremendous act of chesed, they're going to dedicate an entire building for a yeshiva for a million five hundred thousand dollars. Or a person has a chance to do a little bit of tzedakah to help out a person for two seconds. You think, oh, it's so small. You know what? I reached in my pocket. I didn't have any money. I thought I had my wallet. I don't have my money. All I have is 50 cents. Give him 50 cents. Unless you're going to embarrass him with it. I think it's, ah, it's only 50 cents. Small thing. In the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, there's no such thing as a small mitzvah. In fact, what we get taught later on in Devarim is that the greatest biracha happens to a person who for him or for her, there's no mitzvah which is too small. I will send you all the biracha for the sake of the fact that you were listen, listening to the mitzvot that most people they step on with their heels. There's no mitzvah which is too small in the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Rabotai, Rav Pincus took this idea to a tremendous level and I want to perhaps open this up with a couple of examples and through that we'll be able to see the power of the smallest deed in the world. He pointed to the wall in the Beit HaKneset. You have the Aron HaKodesh and all this giant edifice of wood. And then you see there's one line like this. You see there's a line over here in the molding. There's one little stripe down the side. He says, how come we have this stripe? What does this stripe do? He says, what you're not understanding is this little indentation, this little uh, ridge, this little ledge, it defines and represents kavod ha-Torah. Now again, you don't think about it, but when they did this, why did they make this little molding or little... Why did they put that scratch? Why did they put that little line of paint? 
because they thought it looked beautiful. What were they making it beautiful for? They were making it for Kavod Torah. That little indentation, that is Kavod Torah. The rabbi walks in. You give him a little, that little nod that you give the rabbi when he walks in. Ah, what's the big deal? I went like this. I bent my neck like this. Like Kavod Torah, it's unbelievable. In Shamaim, you're going to get to heaven and God's going to point out these massive mitzvot that for us were so small. There was a Rosh Hashiva in Eretz Israel. He gets an invitation to a wedding in Switzerland. Invitation in one envelope and behind the small envelope, he opens it up. What's in the envelope? A paid for ticket to Switzerland. Who's inviting him to this wedding? Another Rosh Hashiva. He's thinking to himself, why is the guy inviting me to a wedding in Switzerland? And why is he paying for a ticket for me to go to Switzerland? He opens it up, he can't even remember who the guy is. After 10 minutes, doing a, the, you know, the, the brain search that we all do as we get older, he's thinking Goldberg, Goldstein, Goldwitz, you know, he's trying to think through all the, finally remembers, oh my gosh, I know who this guy is. I think like 40 years ago, we went to Yeshiva together. He calls the guy up, as only a Rosh Yeshiva in Israel would, and he says, I appreciate the fact you invited me to the wedding, but we're not that close, <laughs> right? We're not that close, we haven't spoken in decades. You sent me an invitation, I appreciate it, but an a ticket to come to Switzerland with my wife to attend the wedding. Menen lewen, from where to where. And the guy says to him, I want to tell you, he says, many, many years ago, we attended Yeshiva Tiki, because I remember. And he's thinking, you know, what did he do for the guy? You know, did he uh, save his life? Did he, uh, you know, pull him off the edge of the roof? You know, what did he do? Did he give do some great act of self-sacrifice? Give him the last bowl of chalent. Like, what did he do that was so memorable that 40 years later? And the guy said, I'll tell you the truth. He says, I come from a family. They sent me to, off to learn in yeshiva. I went to this yeshiva to study. It was very prestigious. He says, but my learning wasn't going the way I hoped. I didn't start making friends. I was a shy kid. And uh, I kind of felt like, you know, I hadn't, didn't have my place here. So I'm thinking, thinking about it. And eventually I called my parents. I said, it's horrible. I hate it. I want to come home. I want to come home. They said, keep trying one more week. Anyway, finally the day that my parents told me, you know what? If you want to book a ticket home, go ahead, book a ticket home. He says, that day I'm going, uh, walking through the yeshiva to go to the telephone, to go uh, uh, call the travel agent to book my ticket. We didn't have kayak back in the day, young man, where we could just kind of like type it in, you know, and book tickets at four o'clock in the morning by ourselves, right? So he goes, he's walking towards, and as he's walking down towards the, uh, the telephone, this bachur stopped me, he says, and my, the collar of my jacket was up. And the guy took the collar of my jacket, and he smoothed it down, he smiled at me, patted me on the shoulder, and carried on walking. He says, stopped in my tracks, I said, wow, somebody cares about me enough to fix my jacket collar. Maybe I haven't given it enough time. I'm going to give it another week. But because of that, now he maybe was a little bit more confident to go talk to somebody. Because of that, now he thought maybe people actually did like him. He wasn't paranoid. He says that week turned into a, into a month, into years, and eventually I became a big rabbi. I now have my own yeshiva in Switzerland. And you know what? Everything that I have in my family, it's because of you, because of that one moment. You think the guy thought one second about it. 
You think he went to sleep that night? He's doing cheshbon nefesh. I spoke lashon hara, Hashem, I'm really sorry. Also, I did this avera, but you know what? It all balances out, because that guy, I fixed his, I fixed his jacket collar. It's crazy. We don't think rabotai, but really, our lives, they give us myriad opportunities to do wonderful mitzvot. You have a couple extra minutes, read some tehillim. You know, read, have a devar Torah. You, there's things that you could grab that they take seconds. But in the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, there isn't something which is small. Every mitzvah is a person's decision to listen to God. I want you to understand that one more time. The most important part of a mitzvah is not the mitzvah itself. It's the fact that you are listening to God. Are you any more or any less listening to God when you say that extra chapter of Tehillim so you're not doing Bitul Torah for three seconds or if you give your life Al Kiddush Hashem? In both cases, equally, you're listening to God. You're respecting Hashem's wishes and Hashem's Torah. So therefore, Abotai, these small things, although they're very small in our eyes, bottom line, in uh, uh, what's it called? In the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it's, it's tremendous. You see an elderly person, they're struggling with their package, go, go out of your way. A smile to a person who's down, you don't know what it does, but even to a person who's not down, even to a regular person, because today, everybody got very good at wearing masks, and you don't know what a person's going through, and what they're suffering, and, and how things are at home, and how much money they have in their bank account. You know, we don't know, you, know, you have no idea. So Rabotai, investing in the small things is unbelievable. And I once heard a tremendous idea that said that it is only great people that recognize the value of small things. You know, I, I thought to myself a lot about this idea that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he, uh, he ca caused the whole people to wait for Sha'a Echat from Miriam. And the whole time I'm thinking, wow, what an outsized reward. What an unbelievable reward for a small thing. But I think the lesson and the message from this, from this uh, uh, pasuk is much greater than that, Rabotai. It's not just that, look, small things, and look at, look at the great reward a person got for a small thing. Clearly, HaKadosh Baruch Hu values a person's small thing. Clearly, if a person has a chance to blow up at their in-laws, or to blow up, at, and you know what, they hold their tongue, or even if they get angry and they speak back to the person, but they speak less, or they speak less harsh, However small that differential is, you don't think it's irrelevant. You see, for me, you get big reward. I don't think that's the point, Rabotai. I think what the Gemara is drawing our attention to is, you, you, know, what the, you know what Moshe Rabbeinu would have said to any Jew? Uh, what's the holdup, Moshe? Oh, we're not going to be traveling anytime soon. Oh, really? Why not? Uh, because unfortunately, you know, Miriam Hanivia, she's, a, she's, a, she's over here, she's not well, she's... We can't leave until she's better. Oh, what? You think we should, we should all wait for your sister? What kind of people? You know? Call Ram. You know what I mean? Let's go. We should get out of here. You know? We can't wait seven minutes. Never mind seven days. Ready? Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this, Rabotai? You know what Moshe Rabbeinu's answer is? Yes, we will. Moshe Rabbeinu's answer is not for a small thing you get a big reward. Moshe Rabbeinu's answer is, Mehila, who are you? Mehila, you don't want to wait seven days? If she doesn't watch me, then what happens? Then I don't, 
I maybe don't get safe to the palace. If she doesn't watch me, I die in Paro's palace of malnutrition. Why? It wasn't just that she watched him at the thing. She walked, went all the way down. They fished her out. Moshe Rabbeinu's not nursing from any of the Egyptian women. Nobody knows what to do. What does she come up with? The answer that's going to save his life. Moshe Rabbeinu's life is saved because of Miriam. If Moshe Rabbeinu's life is not saved, what happens to the Jewish people? Who knows if they ever get out? You don't have to go ill. You're here because of her. You don't want to wait seven days because it's too long? Nothing is long enough. If she had to be here for seven years, we should wait. You owe her everything. And you know what? I thought to myself, who else could we say that sentence about? Our parents, Rabotai. Your father, your mother is asking you something. It's going to take you an extra 10 minutes. Oh, you know, it's a little, you know, I'm a bit of a rush. How about if it takes you an extra hour, an extra seven hours, an extra day, an extra week you have to wait for something for your parents? We have the same answer that Moshe Rabbeinu could have given that Jew who came to complain. Well, you don't want to wait seven days? Mehila, without this person, you have no days. Without this person, you have no life. What do you owe that person? And I like to ask people always to try and strive to do something a little bit more, a little bit better for those people, especially the parents in their life, the people who did to them a great act of, of kindness. I want to share with you one last idea and then we'll end. This community is a wonderful community. They're very caring. Uh, they're very beautiful and they, they, show, uh, they show their gratitude and their appreciation in very beautiful ways. Someone gave an anonymous gift to say thank you for the hard work that we do in the community. Rabotai, because it was an anonymous gift, everybody says Shalom Aleichem to you, think, wow, you know what? Maybe this is the guy, incognito. Maybe, maybe I should smile more to this guy, and to that guy, and to the other guy, and to the fourth guy, because you never know who it is. What a kindness that guy has done for me. And I hope, Bezat Hashem, what a kindness he will have done for the community. Because now you have a, a rabbi that's looking and smiling at everybody because he has no idea you know, where it came from. I still remember getting an anonymous letter under the door in London. Same exact thing. It's not about the money, Rabotai. It's an anonymous letter, very expressive, giving thanks for all the things that we did in the community. I'm reading this letter. Beautiful. I get to the bottom. Wow, who's so appreciative? I want to thank them for thanking me. No idea. My body. So I walk around. <laughs> We walk around and have no idea. You understand? We have no idea. You're saying thank you to everybody. You, 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 you're shining your face to everybody. What a beautiful thing that is. And Rabotai, what was it from? From one, from one little letter. From one little letter the person sent. Anonymously through the, through the doorpost. May God bless us, Bezat Hashem, to do small things that make a huge difference uh, in the lives of those around us. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen.